Act Four of The Bow Stratagem by George Farquhar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Four, Scene One. The gallery in Lady Bountiful's house. Mrs. Sullen discovered alone. Were I born in humble Turk, where women have no soul nor property, there I must sit contented. But in England, a country whose women are its glory, must women be abused? Where women rule, must women be enslaved? Nay, cheated into slavery, mocked by a promise of comfortable society into a wilderness of solitude. I dare not keep the thought about me. Oh, here comes something to divert me. Enter a countrywoman. I come and please your ladyship. You're my lady bountiful, ain't ye? Well, good woman, go on. I have come seventeen long miles to have a cure for my husband's sore leg. Your husband? What woman cure your husband? Ay, poor man, for his sore leg won't let him stir from home. There, I confess, you have given me a reason. Well, good woman, I'll tell you what you must do. You must lay your husband's leg upon a table, and with a chopping knife you must lay it open as broad as you can. Then you must take out the bone, and beat the flesh soundly with a rolling pin. Then take salt, pepper, cloves, mace, and ginger, some sweet herbs, and season it very well. Then roll it up like brawn, and put it into the oven for two hours. Evans, reward your ladyship. I have two little babies, too, that are piteous bad with the grapes. Ain't please ye? Put a little pepper and salt in their bellies, good woman. Enter Lady Bountiful. I beg your ladyship's pardon for taking your business out of your hands. I have been a-tampering here a little with one of your patients. Come, good woman. Don't mind this mad creature. I am the person you want, I suppose. What would you have, woman? She wants something for her husband's sore leg. What's the matter with his leg, Goody? He confessed, as one might say, with a sort of dizziness in his foot. Then he had a kind of laziness in his joints. Then his leg broke out, and then it swelled, and then it closed again. And then it broke out again, and then it festered. And then it grew better, and then it grew worse again. <laughs> How can you be merry with the misfortunes of other people? Because my own make me sad, madam. The worst reason in the world, daughter. Your own misfortunes should teach you to pity others. But the woman's misfortunes and mine are nothing alike. Her husband is sick, and mine, alas, is in health. What? Would you wish your husband sick? Not of a sore leg, of all things. Well... Good woman, go to the pantry, get your belly full of victuals, then I'll give you a receipt of a diet drink for your husband. But, do you hear, Goody, you must not let your husband move too much. No, no, madame, poor man's inclinable enough to lie still. Exit. Well, daughter Sullen, though you laugh, I have done miracles about the country here with my receipts. Miracles, indeed, if they have cured anybody. 
but I believe, madam, the patient's faith goes farther toward the miracle than your prescription. Fancy helps in some cases. But there's your husband, who has as little fancy as anybody. I brought him from death's door. I suppose, madam, you made him drink plentifully of asses' milk. Enter Dorinda, who runs to Mrs. Sullen. News, dear sister, news, news! Enter Archer, running. Where? Where is my lady bountiful? Pray, which is the old lady of you three? I am. Oh, madam, the fame of your ladyship's charity, goodness, benevolence, skill and ability have drawn me hither to implore your ladyship's help in behalf of my unfortunate master, who is this moment breathing his last. Your master? Where is he? At your gate, madam, drawn by the appearance of your handsome house to view it nearer, and walking up the avenue within five paces of the courtyard, he was taken ill of a sudden with a sort of I know not what, but down he fell, and there he lies. Here, scrub, Gipsy, I'll run, get my easy chair downstairs, put the gentleman in it, and bring him in quickly, quickly! Heaven will reward your ladyship for this charitable act. Is your master used to these fits? Oh, yes, madam, frequently. I have known him have five or six of a night. What's his name? Lord, madam, he's a-dying. A minute's care or neglect may save or destroy his life. Ah, poor gentleman. Come, my friend, show me the way. I'll see him brought in myself. Exit with Archer. Oh, sister, my heart flutters about strangely. I can hardly forbear running to his assistance. And I'll lay my life he deserves your assistance more than he wants it. Did not I tell you that my lord would find a way to come at you? Loves his distemper, and you must be the physician. Put on all your charms, summon all your fire into your eyes, plant the whole artillery of your looks against his breast, and down with him. Oh, sister, I'm but a young gunner. I shall be afraid to shoot, for fear that he should recoil and hurt myself. You shall see me shoot before you, if you will. No, no, dear sister, you have missed your mark so unfortunately that I shan't care for being instructed by you. Enter Aimwell in a chair carried by Archer and Scrub, and counterfeiting a swoon. Lady Bountiful and Gypsy following. Here, here, let's see the heart sharn drops. Gypsy, a glass of fair water. He's fit very strong. Bless me how his hands are clenched. For shame, ladies. What do you do? Why don't you help us? To Dorinda. Pray, madam, take his hand and open it, if you can, whilst I hold his head. Dorinda takes his hand. Poor gentleman. Oh, he has got my hand within his, and squeezes it unmercifully. Tis the violence of his convulsion, child. Oh, madam, he's perfectly possessed in these cases. He'll bite if you don't have a care. Oh, my hand! My hand! What's the matter with the foolish girl? I have got his hand open, you see, with a great deal of ease. Ay, but, madam, your daughter's hand is somewhat warmer than your ladyship's, and the heat of it draws the force of the spirits that way. I find, friend, you're very learned in these sorts of fits. Tis no wonder, madam, for I'm often troubled with them myself. I find myself extremely ill at this minute. Looking hard at Mrs. Sullen. I fancy I could find a way to cure you. Aside. His fit holds him very long. Longer than usual, madam. Pray, young lady, open his breast and give him air. 
Where did his illness take him first, pray? Today at church, madam. In what manner was he taken? Very strangely, my lady. He was of a sudden touched with something in his eyes, which at first he only felt, but could not tell whether twas pain or pleasure. Wind. Nothing but wind. By soft degrees it grew and mounted to his brain. There his fancy caught it, there formed it so beautiful, and dressed it up in such gay, pleasing colors, that his transported appetite seized the fair idea, and straight conveyed it to his heart that hospitable seat of life sent all its sanguine spirits forth to meet, and opened all its sluicy gates to take the stranger in. Your master should never go without a bottle to smell to. Oh, he recovers! The lavender water, some feathers to burn under his nose, hungry water to rub his temples. Oh, he comes to himself. Hem a little, sir, hem. Gypsy, bring the cordial water. Aimwell seems to awake in a maze. How do you, sir? Where, where am I? Rising. Sure I have passed the gulf of silent death, and now I land on the Elysian shore. Behold the goddess of those happy plains. Fair Proserpine, let me adore thy bright divinity. Kneels to Dorinda and kisses her hand. So, so, so. I knew where the fit would end. A Eurydice, perhaps. How could thy Orpheus keep his word and not look back upon thee? No treasure but thyself could sure have bribed him to look one minute off thee. Delirious, poor gentleman. Very delirious, madam, very delirious. Martin's voice, I think. Yes, my lord. How does your lordship? Lord, did you mind that, girls? Aside to Mrs. Sullen and Dorinda. Where am I? In very good hands, sir. You were taken just now with one of your old fits under the trees, just by this good lady's house. Her ladyship had you taken in, and has miraculously brought you to yourself, as you see. I am so confounded with shame, madam, that I can now only beg pardon, and refer my acknowledgments for your ladyship's care, till an opportunity offers for making some amends. I dare be no longer troublesome. Martin, give two guineas to the servants. Going? Sir, you may catch cold by going so soon into the air. You don't look, sir, as if you were perfectly recovered. Here Archer talks to Lady Bountiful, in dumb show. That I shall never be, madam. My present illness is so rooted that I must expect to carry it to my grave. Don't despair, sir. I have known several in your distemper shake it off with a fortnight's physic. Come, sir, your servant has been telling me that you are apt to relapse if you go into the air. Your good manners shan't get the better of ours. You shall sit down again, sir. Come, sir. We don't mind ceremonies in the country. Here, sir, my service to you. You shall taste my water. Tis a cordial, I can assure you, and of my own making. Drink it off, sir. Aimwell drinks. And how do you find yourself now, sir? Somewhat better, though very faint still. Ay, ay. People are always faint after these fits. Come, girls. You shall show the gentleman the house. Tis but an old family building, sir, but you had better walk about and cool by degrees than venture immediately into the air. You'll find some tolerable pictures. Dorinda, show the gentleman the way. I must go to the poor woman below. Exit. 
This way, sir. Ladies, shall I beg leave for my servant to wait upon you, for he understands pictures very well? Sir, we understand originals as well as he does pictures, so he may come along. Exeunt all but scrub. Aimwell leading Dorinda. Enter Foygar. Save you, Master Scrub. Sir, I won't be saved your way. I hate a priest. I abhor the French and I defy the devil. Sir, I'm a bold Briton and will spill the last drop of my blood to keep out popery and slavery. Master Scrub, you would put me down in politics, and so I would be speaking with Mrs. Shipsy. Good Mr. Priest, you can't speak with her. She's sick, sir. She's gone abroad, sir. She's dead two months ago, sir. Re-enter Gypsy. How now, impudence? How dare you talk so saucily to the doctor? Pray, sir, don't take it ill, for the common people of England are not so civil to strangers as— You lie, you lie, tis the common people that are civilest to strangers. Sirrah, I have a good mind to— Get you out, I say. I won't. You won't, saucebox. Pray, doctor, what is the captain's name that came to your inn last night? Scrub, aside. The captain. Ah, the devil, there she hampers me again. The captain has me on one side and the priest on the other, so between the gown and the sword I have a fine time on it. But see, don't harm a toga. Going. What, Sarah, won't you march? No, my dear, I won't march, but I'll walk. Aside. And I'll make bold to listen to a little, too. Goes behind the side scene and listens. Indeed, doctor, the Count has been barbarously treated. That's the truth, aunt. Ah, Mrs. Shipsy, from my shoulder now, Gras. <laughs> His complainings would mollify the marrow in your bones and move the bowels of your commiseration. He weeps, and he dances, and he fizzles, and he swears, and he laughs, and he stamps, and he sings. In conclusion, Joy, he is afflicted a la Francaise, and a stranger would not know whether to cry or to laugh with him. What would you have me do, doctor? Nothing, Joy, but only hide the Count in Mrs. Sullen's closet when it is dark. Nothing? Is that nothing? It would be both a sin and a shame, doctor. Here is twenty louis d'or, Joy, for your shame, and I will give you an absolution for the shin. But won't that money look like a bribe? That is according as you shall talk it. If you receive the money beforehand, it will be logic, a bribe, but if you stay till afterwards, it will only be a gratification. Well, doctor, I'll take it, Lodgy say. But what must I do with my conscience, sir? Leave that with me, Joy. I am your priest, Gras, and your conscience is under my hands. But should I put the Count into the closet? Well, is there any sin for a man being in a closet? One may go to prayers in a closet. But if the lady should come into her chamber and go to bed... Well, and is there any sin in going to bed, Joy? Aye, but if the parties should meet, Doctor? Well, then, the parties must be responsible. Do you be gone after putting the Count into the closet and leave the shins with themselves? 
I will come with the Count to instruct you in your chamber. Well, doctor, your religion is so pure. Methinks I'm so easy after an absolution, and can sin afresh with so much security, that I'm resolved to die a martyr to it. Here's the key of the garden door. Come in the back way when tis late. I'll be ready to receive you, but don't so much as whisper. Only take hold of my hand. I'll lead you, and do you lead the Count, and follow me. Exeunt. Coming forward. What witchcraft now have these two imps of the devil been a-hatching here? There's twenty buoys door, I heard that, and saw the first, but I must give room to my betters. Exit. Re-enter Aimwell, leading Dorinda, and making love in dumb show. Mrs. Sullen and Archer following. Mrs. Sullen to Archer. Pray, sir, how do you like that piece? Oh, tis Leda. You find, madam, how Jupiter comes disguised to make love. But what think you there of Alexander's battles? We only want a Lebrun, madam, to draw greater battles, and a greater general of our own. The Danube, madam, would make a greater figure in a picture than the Granicus, and we have our Ramelie to match their Arbola. Pray, sir, what head is in that corner there? Oh, madam, tis poor Ovid in his exile. What was he banished for? His ambitious love, madam. Bowing. His misfortune touches me. Was he successful in his amours? There he has left us in the dark. He was too much a gentleman to tell. If he were secret, I pity him. And if he were successful, I envy him. How do you like that Venus over the chimney? Venus? I protest, madam. I took it for your picture. But now I look again. Tis not handsome enough. <laughs> what a charm is flattery! If you would see my picture, there it is over that cabinet. How do you like it? I must admire anything, madam, that has the least resemblance of you. But methinks, madam— He looks at the picture and Mrs. Sullen three or four times by turns. Pray, madam, who drew it? A famous hand, sir. Here, Aimwell and Dorinda go off. A famous hand, madam. Your eyes indeed are featured there, but where's the sparking moisture, shining fluid in which they swim? The picture indeed has your dimples, but where's the swarm of killing cupids that should ambush there? The lips, too, are figured out, but where's the carnation dew, the pouting ripeness that tempts the taste in the original? Aside. Had it been my lot to have been matched with such a man? Your breast, too, presumptuous man, what paint heaven? Apropos, madam, in the very next picture is Salmoneus, that was struck dead with lightning for offering to imitate Jove's thunder. I hope you've served the painter so, madam. Had my eyes the power of thunder, they should employ their lightning better. There's the finest bed in that room, madam. I suppose tis your ladyship's bedchamber. And what then, sir? I think the quilt is the richest that I ever saw. I can't at this distance, madam, distinguish the figures of the embroidery. Will you give me leave, madam? Aside. The devil take his impudence. Sure, if I gave him an opportunity, he durst not offer it. I have a great mind to try. 
going, returns. Steth, what am I doing? And alone, too. Sister! Sister! Runs out. I'll follow her close, for where a Frenchman durst attempt to storm, a Briton sure may well the work perform. Going. Re-enter Scrub. Martin, brother Martin. Oh, brother Scrub, I beg your pardon. I was not a-going. Here's a guinea my master ordered you. A guinea? Hi, 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 a guinea. Oh, by this light it is a guinea. But I suppose you expect one and twenty shillings in change. Not at all. I have another for Gypsy. A guinea for her? Packet and fire for the witch. Sir, give me that guinea, and I'll discover a plot. A plot? Ay, sir, a plot, and a horrid plot. First, it must be a plot because there's a woman in it. Secondly, it must be a plot because there's a priest in it. Thirdly, it must be a plot because there's French gold in it. And fourthly, it must be a plot because I don't know what to make on it. Nor anybody else, I'm afraid, Brother Scrub. Truly, I am afraid so, too. For where there's a priest and a woman, there's always a mystery and a riddle. This I know, that here has been the doctor with a temptation in one hand and an absolution in the other, and Gypsy has sold herself to the devil. I saw the price paid down. My eyes shall take their oath on it. And is all this bustle about Gypsy? That's not all. I could hear but a word here and there, but I remember they mentioned a count, a closet, a back door, and a key. The count? Did you hear nothing of Mrs. Sullen? I did hear some word that sounded that way, but whether it was Sullen or Dorinda I could not distinguish. You have told this matter to nobody, brother. Told? No, sir, I thank you for that. I'm resolved never to speak one word, pro nor con, till we have a peace. You're in the right, Brother Scrub. Here's a treaty afoot between the Count and the Lady. The priest and the chambermaid are the plenipotentiaries. It shall go hard, but I find a way to be included in the treaty. Where's the doctor now? He and Gypsy are this moment devouring my lady's marmalade in the closet. Aimwell, from without. Martin! Martin! I come, sir, I come. But you forgot the other guinea, Brother Martin. Here, I give it with all my heart. And I take it with all my soul. Exit Archer. Ecod, I'll spoil your plotting, Mrs. Gypsy, and if you should set the captain upon me, these two guineas will buy me off. Exit. Re-enter Mrs. Sullen and Dorinda, meeting. Well, sister. And well, sister. What's become of my lord? What's become of his servant? Servant? He's a prettier fellow and a finer gentleman by fifty degrees than his master. Oh, my conscience, I fancy you could beg that fellow at the gallows foot. Now, my conscience, I could, provided I could put a friend of yours in his room. You desired me, sister, to leave you when you transgressed the bounds of honour. Thou dear, censorious country girl, what dost mean? You can't think of the man without the bedfellow, I find. I don't find anything unnatural in that thought. While the mind is conversant with flesh and blood, it must conform to the humours of the company. 
how a little love and good company improves a woman. Why, child, you begin to live? You never spoke before. Because I was never spoke to. My lord has told me that I have more wit and beauty than any of my sex, when truly I begin to think the man is sincere. You're in the right, Dorinda. Pride is the life of a woman, and flattery is our daily bread. And she's a fool that won't believe a man there, as much as she that believes him in anything else. But I'll lay you a guinea that I had finer things said to me than you had. Done. What did your fellow say to ye? My fellow took the picture of Venus for mine. But my lover took me for Venus herself. Oh, common cant! Had my spark called me a Venus directly, I should have believed him a footman in good earnest. But my lover was upon his knees to me. And mine was upon his tiptoes to me. Mine vowed to die for me. Mine swore to die with me. Mine spoke the softest moving things. Mine had his moving things, too. Mine kissed my hand ten thousand times. Mine has all that pleasure to come. Mine offered marriage. Oh, Lot! Do you call that a moving thing? The sharpest arrow in his quiver, my dear sister. Why, my ten thousand pounds may lie brooding here this seven years, and hatch nothing at last but some ill-natured clown like yours. Whereas if I marry my Lord Aimwell, there will be titled, place and precedence, the park, the play, and the drawing-room, splendour, equipage, noise and flambeau. Hey, my Lady Aimwell's servants there! Lights, lights to the stairs! My Lady Aimwell's coach put forward! Stand by, make room for her ladyship! Are not these things moving? What? Melancholy of a sudden? Happy, happy, sister! Your angel has been watchful for your happiness, whilst mine has slept regardless of his charge. Long, smiling years of circling joys for you, but not one hour for me. <laughs> Come, my dear, we'll talk of something else. Oh, Dorinda, I own myself a woman full of my sex, a gentle, generous soul, easy and yielding to soft desires, a spacious heart, where love and all his train might lodge. And must the fair apartment of my breast be made a stable for a brute to lie in? Meaning your husband, I suppose. Husband? No, even husband is too soft a name for him. But come, I expect my brother here to-night or to-morrow. He was abroad when my father married me. Perhaps he'll find a way to make me easy. Will you promise not to make yourself easy in the meantime with my lord's friend? You mistake me, sister. It happens with us as among the men. The greatest talkers are the greatest cowards. And there's a reason for it. Those spirits evaporate and prattle, which might do more mischief if they took another course. Though, to confess the truth, I do love that fellow. And if I met him dressed as he should be, and I undressed as I should be, looky, sister, I have no supernatural gifts— I can't swear I could resist the temptation, though I can safely promise to avoid it, and that's as much as the best of us can do. Exeunt Act Four, Scene Two A Room in Boniface's Inn Enter Aimwell and Archer, laughing. And the awkward kindness of the good motherly old gentlewoman. <laughs> and the coming easiness of the young one. Stethes, tis pity to deceive her. 
Nay, if you adhere to these principles, stop where you are. I can't stop, for I love her to distraction. His death. If you love her a hair's breadth beyond discretion, you must go no further. Well, well, anything to deliver us from sauntering away our idle evenings at White's, Tom's, or Will's, and be stinted to bear looking at our old acquaintance, the cards, because our impotent pockets can't afford us a guinea for the mercenary drabs. Or be obliged to some purse-proud coxcomb for a scandalous bottle, where we must not pretend to our share of the discourse, because we can't pay our club of the reckoning. Damn it, I had rather sponge upon Morris and sup upon a dish of bones scored behind the door. And there expose our want of sense by talking criticisms, as we should our want of money by railing at the government. Or be obliged to sneak into the side-box, and between both houses steal two acts of a play, and because we hadn't money to see the other three, we come away discontented and damn the whole five. And ten thousand such rascally tricks, had we outlived our fortunes among our acquaintance. But now... Aye, now is the time to prevent all this. Strike while the iron is hot. This priest is the luckiest part of our adventure. He shall marry you and pimp for me. But I should not like a woman that can be so fond of a Frenchman. Alas, sir, necessity has no law. The lady may be in distress. Perhaps she has a confounded husband, and her revenge may carry her farther than her love. Egad, I have so good an opinion of her and of myself that I begin to fancy strange things. And we must say this for the honour of our women, and indeed of ourselves, that they do stick to their men as they do to their Magna Carta. If the plot lies as I suspect, I must put on the gentleman. But here comes the doctor. I shall be ready. Exit. Enter Voigar. So view, noble friend. Oh, sir, your servant. Pray, doctor, may I crave your name? Fat nam is upon me. My nam is Voigar, Joy. Foigar, a very good name for a clergyman. Pray, Dr. Foigar, were you ever in Ireland? Ireland? No, Joy. What sort of place is that some Ireland? They say the people are catched there when they are young. And some of them when they are old. As, for example... Takes Foigar by the shoulder. Sir, I arrest you as a traitor against the government. You're a subject of England, and this morning showed me a commission by which you served as chaplain in the French army. This is death by our law, and your reverence must hang for it. Upon my soul, noble friend, this is strange news, you tell me. Father Foygar, a subject of England, the son of a burgomaster of Brussels, a subject of England, Ububu. The son of a bog-trotter in Ireland. Sir, your tongue will condemn you before any bench in the kingdom. And is my tongue all your evidence, Joy? That's enough. No, no, Joy, for I will never speak English no more. Sir, I have other evidence. Here, Martin. Re-enter Archer. Archer, in a brogue. Save you, my dear cousin. How does your health? Fuigar. Aside, ah, upon my shoulder, there is my countryman, and his brogue will hang mine. To Archer, mine here, ich wet nit wat he sagt, 
ik universiton you neti sacramante. Altering your language won't do, sir. This fellow knows your person and will swear to your face. Fash? Fay, is there a brogue upon my fash too? Upon my salvation there is joy. But cousin McShane, will you not put remembrance upon me? Aside. McShane. By St. Patrick, that ish my name sure enough. Aside to Archer. I fancy, Archer, you have it. The devil ang you, Joy. By Father Cainton's are you my cousin. Oh, the devil hang yourself, Joy. You know when we were little boys together upon the school, and your foster mother's son was married upon my nurse's sister, Joy. And so we are Irish cousins. The devil take the relation. Fell Joy, and fat school was it? I think it was I. Twas Tipperary. No, no, Joy. It was Kilkenny. That's enough for us. Self-confession. Come, sir, we must deliver you into the hands of the next magistrate. He sends you to jail. You tried next exercises, and away you go swinging into purgatory. And is it so with you, cousin? It will be so with you, cousin, if you don't immediately confess the secret between you and Mrs. Gypsy. Look, you, sir, the gallows or the secret. Take your choice. The gallows? Upon my shawl I ate that charm gallow. For it is a disease that is fatal to our family. Well, then, there is nothing, gentlemen, but Mrs. Shellen will speak with the Count in her chamber at midnight, and there is no harm, Joy, for I am to conduct the Count to the place myself. As a guest, have you communicated the matter to the Count? I have not seen him since. Right again. Why then, Doctor, you shall conduct me to the lady instead of the Count. What? My cousin to the lady? Upon my shawl gras, that is too much upon the brogue. Come, come, Doctor. Consider we have got a rope about your neck, and if you offer to squeak, we'll stop your windpipe most certainly. We shall have another job for you in a day or two, I hope. Here's company coming this way. Let's into my chamber, and there concert our affairs farther. Come, my dear cousin, come along. Exeunt. Enter Boniface, Hounslow, and Bagshot at one door, Gibbet at the opposite. Well, gentlemen, tis a fine night for our enterprise. Dark as hell. And blows like the devil. Our landlord here has showed us the window where we must break in, and tells us the plate stands in the wainscot cupboard in the parlour. Aye, aye, Mr. Bagshot, as the saying is, knives and forks and cups and cans and tumblers and tankards. There's one tankard, as the saying is, that's near upon as big as me. It was a present to the squire from his godmother, and smells of nutmeg and toast like an East India ship. Then you say we must divide at the stairhead? Yes, Mr. Hounslow, as the saying is. At one end of that gallery lies my Lady Bountiful and her daughter, and at the other, Mrs. Sullen. As for the squire? He's safe enough. I have fairly entered him. And he's more than half seas over already. 
but such a parcel of scoundrels are got about him now that egad i was ashamed to be seen in their company tis now twelve as the saying is gentlemen you must set out at one hounslow do you and backshot see your arms fixed and i will come to you presently we, we will, will. Exeunt. well my dear bonnie you assure me that scrub is a coward ah chicken as the saying is you'll have no creature to deal with but the ladies and i can assure you friend there is a great deal of address and good manners in robbing a lady i am the most gentleman that way that ever travelled the road but my dear bonnie the price will be a galleon a wigo business i warrant you we shall bring off three or four thousand pounds in plate and jewels and money as the saying is you may why then tyburn i defy thee i'll get up to town sell off my oars and harms buy myself some pretty employment in the household and be as snug and as honest as any courtier of them all and what think you then of my daughter cherry for a wife look here my dear bonnie cherry is the goddess i adore as the song goes but it is a maxim that man and wife should never have it in their power to hang one another for if they should the lord have mercy on them both Exeunt. End of Act 4